Welcome in to News and Views with Tom Lamprecht. The stories you've heard and the ones you need to hear. The spread of the Delta variant. Seeing hotspots pop up across the country. Implementing an order requiring masking indoors regardless of vaccination. The bottom line from Delta is get vaccinated. Misinformation has caused people to reject the public health measures. There's reasonable mistrust of the government. We're going to get the full package. Budget busting socialist package. Start voting next Wednesday. Your life, your values, your voice. This is News and Views with Tom Lamprecht on Talk 96.3 and 103.7. All right, welcome in. It is News and Views for a Friday. A lot to talk about, as always. Uh, Interesting story in the News and Observer concerning North Carolina Republicans wanting to verify that we're having legal elections here in the state of North Carolina. And uh, they're getting some pushback. Leading the cause, once again, as he has done in so many other issues, is Eastern North Carolina's own representative, Keith Kidwell. He's a Beaufort County Republican. He also is the head of the Freedom Caucus in the North Carolina House of Representatives. He is not making accusations that there was any kind of fraud going on. But he does make the point that a number of constituents across the state of North Carolina, not only his constituents, but a number of other Republican constituents, are saying, we want the assurance that we're going to have honest and fair elections. And so they want to do an audit, particularly they want to look at the voting machines to make sure that they are doing what the State Board of Elections says they are doing, That is, that they're not connected to the Internet. Keith Kidwell is on the phone with us right now. Keith, welcome back. Thanks for joining us. Tom, how are you doing today? I'm doing well. Uh, Appreciate the work you're doing up in the State House. And let's talk in particular today about this situation with the State Board of Elections and the fact that you're getting some pushback from the head uh, of the State Board of Elections, Karen Brinson-Bell, They're saying that, uh, well, let me quote you. You say Mrs. Brinson-Bell has decided to put up a wall, and we're going to go through that wall. Uh, What exactly are you looking for, and why is uh, Ms. Bell not cooperating? Uh, Tom, you know, it's interesting because we were getting uh, all the cooperation we could ask for from the Board of Elections, and it seems like uh, once uh, Ms. Brinson-Bell got involved, she put this wall up saying that, uh, well, these machines are federally protected, they're certified, they're this, that, and nobody's allowed to have access. So I, I actually worked with the vendor to find out uh, yeah, what we can do to actually look into these machines because they're eager uh, to see this put behind them. Uh, I'm sure that you know they sell machines nationwide, and they, sure. they don't want any accusations out there that are false, and I'm sure it doesn't help their business any. So what, what I'm trying to do is, if there is no modem, let us look just to verify to the public that there's none there. Uh, and and we can move on. And for some reason, she's decided that's not a great way to do things. I I think transparency in elections is is all we're seeking. Uh, I'm not making an accusation. I'm not expecting to go find a modem. But I think that I've had enough complaints, and matter of fact, every member of the General Assembly uh, gets emails literally daily asking us to investigate uh, the election process. So... When we look into it to, to verify there's no modems, the manufacturer showed us the machines. We were very satisfied there. They, they were eager to give us the information. And then they said, well, what we'll do is we'll recertify any machine that we look at. Well, 
you know, immediately I got pushback, not through a, any letters, but from the uh, the people talking with us. Well, we, we don't know if we can do that. And I said, well, you know, there's other ways we can do it. So what we were actually working on is talking again with the vendor. And they said, well, here's what we'll do. We'll send the service technician in with you. He'll ride wherever precinct you end up at. Uh, go in. They'll open the machine. So this is the technician that goes out and fixes the machines when they're broken. Right. Okay. And they'll open the machines. We won't actually touch them. We'll ask them to move whatever parts we want moved. They'll put the machine back together just like they did if a board broke or the printer stopped working or whatever, uh, and put the machine back together. And that way we don't have a problem. We haven't touched it. All we've done is laid eyes on it. I'm pretty sure none of us have, you know, x-ray vision that we can damage the machine with our eyes. Uh, and, and that would solve her concern. But that doesn't seem to work either. You know, I remember I remember back uh, a few months ago when we were going through all the, uh, you know, postscript of the general election from last November. I can't remember if it was North Carolina or some other state in which they said, oh, these machines can't be connected to the Internet. But then we find out later. Yeah. But if you you know, if you flip this switch and adjust this, it can be. Uh, is, right. is that part of the controversy here? So, no, actually, Tom, the, the old machines in North Carolina, uh, the ES&S machines back in 2006, uh, everybody thought at that time, this was before all the Internet security breaches and things of this nature, that we would be going to modems in these machines. So the North Carolina, we did have machines at that time. Matter of fact, uh, Beaufort County was still using those machines, but has they've just sent those back to the vendor. They're, they're buying the newer ones without the modems, but those modems were deactivated. We knew that. We didn't have an issue with it because this was before the days of Wi-Fi modems and all this. So they were just inert modems, and that's fine. We understand that's the way they were manufactured. The machines in North Carolina now are not allowed to have a modem in them, period, when you buy a new piece of equipment, okay? There's very few counties that were still using the older ES&S 100s, okay? Uh, the ES&S 200s are the new model that everybody's going to. They do make a model for other states with a modem. Now, we opened them up. We looked at them. The modem is there. It's crystal clear. We opened up the machine that they, they actually was one that was taken offline in North Carolina uh, that, that had been turned back into the company, and we opened that machine, and there's no modem. There's a very clear difference when there is and when there's not. We also inspected the boards to look deeper to see if there were modem chips, modem capabilities. They're not there, Okay. Matter of fact, the, the, the memory stick that they use to extract the data is a proprietary stick that is made by, it's not something you get it off as depot or right. buy or buy off Amazon. It is a very specific stick that must match to the machine just to extract the data. You put in an office depot stick, they don't work. Okay. Uh, if, if you uh, try and change a memory card in the machine, they're actually matched uh, electronically with passwords that if the memory card doesn't match the machine, it will not run. So they've got it very well protected at that level. They're using a software language that's not Windows, it's not DOS, it's not something you and I would use, and I'm familiar with this because in my business we used a tax language called TASL. And if you don't know how to write in that language, you couldn't do anything to it. So they've done a good job at the manufacturer's level of protecting it. And what we're seeking to do, real simple, Tom, the people are concerned. Right. If the people say, can you prove to us there's no modems, why can't we walk in, open a machine, and look at it and see there's no modem? Well, you know, it doesn't pass the smell test 
And, and, and that's and what I, my FBI, former FBI agent Ed Goodwin said. He said, look, I've worked in the FBI. When, 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 when somebody sits there and starts resisting, they must be hiding something. You know, he's an FBI guy, so you know, yeah. that's his words, not mine. No, well, I agree with him. And have you done any investigation to indeed find out whether it's against some federal law for you to come in and look at these uh, machines? That just that just doesn't uh, again doesn't pass the smell test. Well, you know, she's saying it's against state and federal law, so we we are going to check on the federal aspect of it. Uh, but there are other ways to deal with this, Tom. So you know, we're we're looking at the possibility of putting money in the budget specifically to allow us to replace machines when we go in and open the machine. So we go in, we take the machine, we open it up, we look at it, you know, I'll take a welding torch to it at that point if I want to. And we'll give them a brand new machine to replace the ones we inspect. Well, okay. the the other aspect of this is is her response, which I think thou protestest too much, uh, Ms. Bell. She said, we yeah. will not allow misinformation about our voting systems or any other aspect of elections to dictate our priorities in administering elections. We do yeah. not intend to, partic- to part- partip- partake in nor yeah, perpetuate one. myths and falsehoods about voting systems or elections, and the inference is that, oh, here we go again with all these lies being spread by Republicans across the nation, led by Donald Trump. And I, again, I think thou protestest too much, Ms. Bell. If there's, not, if there's no there there, then let Keith Kidwell and other officials come in and verify it. And that, that's all we're asking, Tom, and it's real simple. Uh, you know, this is about proving to the people what they're paying us to do. Uh, the General Assembly does have oversight. The bad news for Miss Bell is, is uh, you know, I'm the guy that does my due diligence. I do my homework. And uh, to this point, I can tell you, I'm, I haven't looked at the federal aspect of it yet because I'm still working on her letter. Uh, but here's what I can tell you at the state level. State, state General Statute 120-19 is very clear. It says that if any member of the General Assembly asks any member that is an employee of the state of North Carolina for any information or data that they have or can access, that they, and this is the key word, it is mandatory that they provide that information even if it's to an individual member of the General Assembly, and that's who each of the 25-plus members of the Freedom Caucus are. Every one of us are members of the General Assembly. So, Ms. Bell, you're going to lose. I'm going to figure out a way to get access to those machines, okay? And we're going to continue to look into it, not because we think there's a problem, but because I think the people of this state deserve to have their General Assembly prove to them that their vote counts. Bingo. And that's what matters. Do you have uh, Republican leadership in the House and the Senate behind you on this? Leadership is on my side. They're working with us on the budget. We're going to look at what we can do from a budgetary position. We're going to look at what we need to do with election laws to make sure that this is absolutely clear, that the General Assembly does and will always have the oversight that's necessary. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm going to paraphrase the board from Star Trek. Resistance is futile. Yeah. You will comply. Well, uh, and I have said, if I've said it once, I've said it a hundred times on this program, I think we will prevail. I think Republicans will prevail in 2022 if if we have fair and honest elections. I and agree. so for that, I thank you, Representative Kidwell, for what you're doing.
please keep it up. Thank you, don't Tom. give in. Appreciate it. <laughs> right. no, I don't. You know me. I don't. Quit. I do. I do know you, and I I fully expect to see this thing uh, come to a resolution. Keith Kidwell calling it. Thank you, Keith. Appreciate all you do. Bye bye. We've got uh, to take a time out. We come back. There is another story in the Carolina Journal. Jeff Moore, our friend over at First and Freedom Daily, has written a great piece on a COVID vaccination card, which is already in existence in the state of North Carolina. Yes, there is one. We'll talk about that when we get back. Inflation is here. Incredibly rampant and reckless spending. The president slapped another $2 trillion on the country's credit card. They want to spend yet another $4 trillion. Price increases. In grocery stores. This is happening right now. Manufacturing. And what happens next. Everybody's experiencing inflation. Will happen here. Bottom line here. Unprecedented in recent memory. This story and more. Pay very close attention. The future. What's it going to look like? For what's next, travel with us on Talk 96.3 and 103.7 with Tom Lamprecht. Welcome back in. News and views for a Friday. Taking a look at your weather forecast for the weekend. A chance of showers tonight. Just a slight chance, a little around 75. Tomorrow, more of the same. Chance of afternoon showers, about 40%, a high near 92 And again, the same for tomorrow night with a low around 74 and pretty much a carbon copy on Sunday. Weather brought to you by our friends at University PC Care. They've been Eastern North Carolina's go-to IT experts for quite a while now. Unfortunately, most organizations simply react to IT issues after the damage is done. This is known as the break-fix cycle in the tech services industry. Quick example. You show up to work, you find your computer down, you submit a repair ticket, a tech shows up, tries to remote it in, all the while you're down, losing productivity, maybe even losing files. University PC Care's Business Services Division has a better way, a proactive way called BizCare. BizCare tech support and cybersecurity plans are always on duty, staying ahead of potential problems, keeping you up and running with less downtime. And it's much safer with threats like ransomware. Call William at 394-8572 to schedule a free BizCare consultation or go to University PC Care to learn more. Jeff Moore, who uh, is the uh, editor-in-chief of First and Freedom Daily, which is a uh, great website covering many issues in the state of North Carolina, has written a piece which appeared in the Carolina Journal today. Uh, bottom line is most of our listeners, in fact, this was news to me, but Governor Cooper has created a North Carolina state certified COVID-19 vaccination card. Cooper said earlier this year that his administration was exploring the development of such a passport for residents. Quote, we want to be able to help people to show others that they have gotten the vaccine because a lot of people are going to want that, the governor said. Days later, back in early April, New York launched its first-in-the-nation vaccine passport, Excelsior Pass. California, likewise, launched a digital vaccine passport in June. The debate surrounding vaccine passports is a sensitive one. The split, as you can imagine, is along partisan lines, Republican-Democrat. In May, six Republican members of North Carolina's congressional delegation sent a letter to the governor calling on Cooper 
to reject the creation of a vaccine passport, saying such a requirement would be a violation of people's constitutional rights. Fast forward a few months, residents and uh, visitors to New York and California are pressured to show their vaccine passports to participate in certain activities, including going to a restaurant. In North Carolina, the Cooper administration quietly launched its very own state-certified vaccine, quote, information card. What exactly could this mean? Both vaccinated and non-vaccinated people going forward, what will it mean to you? The North Carolina vaccine passport isn't mandatory. Neither of those are in New York or California, but they have them. So why would you have it if it's not mandatory? Now, again, the idea is, well, there are certain non-governmental functions. For example, there are certain businesses that are now saying, okay, if you're going to come work at this business, we've been doing work remotely, but if you're going to come back to work, we want to make sure you're vaccinated. So you get this vaccination passport or verification card. Uh, Here's the interesting thing. And, you know, you, you have certain questions that are asked. You know, why do I need it? There's a uh, frequently asked question section on the uh, Internet uh, you can go to to find out about this uh, state certified vaccine information card, which if you Google it, you can find it. But um, and, and by the way, certain private universities is not required at state universities, but certain private universities such as Elon and Duke are requiring students before they come back to school to have gotten the vaccination. John Saunders from uh, Carolina Journal, he has a a few questions that aren't on the frequently asked question section of the uh, website. First of all, he says, I think it's an absolute joke that they're trying to make people feel comfortable that the information is private after establishing that it's pretty much anybody's business. Furthermore, and he asked this, I've asked this over and over and over again. Furthermore, I would absolutely love for someone to ask why there is no interest and no way to provide a qualified, valid proof of natural immunity from prior infection, regardless of whether or not it was officially diagnosed. When it comes to the previously infected, there is no state-certified tools that exist to prove what the National Institutes of Health described as durable, long-term immune protection from COVID. In other words, you might have the antibodies. You've had COVID, and, and so therefore you're immune just as if you'd had the vaccination. Many doctors and scientists are saying your immunity, if you've had COVID, is more durable and stronger than getting the vaccination. Why is that not included? I mean, we're all about the data and science, right, Gov? Why is that not included? I mean, you can go get an antibodies test, find out if you got the immunity, and if you do, why shouldn't you get a get-out-of-jail-free card? According to North Carolina's COVID dashboard, well more than half of North Carolinians 12 and older have received both vaccination doses. This includes nearly 85% of North Carolinians 65 and older. 
But despite the introduction of a cash lottery to incentivize more people to get vaccinated, rates in North Carolina have basically plateaued in recent weeks. So in other words, the governor is giving away millions of dollars to go get vaccinated. And guess what? Those that don't want the vaccination could care less about the one in a million shot of them winning the million dollars. They ain't going there. Dr. Anthony Fauci, the president's chief medical advisor, has voiced unequivocal support for local vaccination mandates. Mandates. He has pressed Biden. He is, uh, that has been communicated through Jin Psaki, saying that the president is in agreement with Fauci. Fauci. Now, here's the, the point of all this. Is this the first step? Is this the first step in a vaccination mandate? Several stories in national media today that are beginning to stir the pot concerning a national mandate to get vaccinated. I can tell you, there are people out there, you can mandate all you want. They're not going to do it. It will end up in court. And yes, there was a Supreme Court case back in, I think it was back in 1906, dealing with smallpox. And uh, the Supreme Court back then did uphold. It was a it was a state mandate. But the Supreme Court of the United States did uphold that mandate. I don't know that that would happen again. And again, at least they ought to say they ought to include those people who have immunity from being previously infected. Why? Why, Governor, won't you include that? What, I mean, at least have you know a checkbox, one for being vaccinated, one for having immunities. Why won't you go there, Gov? By the way, the World Health Organization, remember, just was it yesterday or two days ago, the week's gone by so quickly, we had the story of Jen Psaki getting up and uh, at the White House briefing talking about how they are now going to help Facebook come out and censor certain posts that they think are unreliable related to COVID. World Health Organization Director General Tetros declared yesterday that ruling out the lab leak theory for the origin of the Wuhan virus was premature after those who questioned the possibility of COVID being lab created were mocked, fact checked, and dismissed for months, including by the World Health Organization and Tetros. Yesterday, he came out and said, I was a lab technician myself. And I have worked in the lab, and lab accidents happen, Tetros said, saying, saying that not only do they happen, they're common. The comments from the director are a clear contradiction to a March 2021 report from the World Health Organization. That report, on which China was a dubious partner, stated a lab leak was extremely unlikely and instead concluded that the most probable origin 
was a natural jump from animals to humans. And uh, since then, a number of scientists have come back and said, no, and especially not from the bat. You, you don't make a leap like that. So Tetros has now come out and done an about-face. Again, just a few months ago, he was dogmatic that this was not a lab leak. Yesterday comes, oh, yeah, that's pretty common. Yeah, it probably happened. And yet, people of his ilk are the ones that are going to get up and tell us what to say, what to post, what to think, what you're allowed to read. It's unbelievable. Mark Zuckerberg, back earlier this year, emailed Fauci offering a partnership to promote and police information about the virus. Yes, we little people, we little peons have no right to think, have no right to an opinion have no right to observe the obvious and comment on it. We are told what to think, what to do, where to go, when to get up, when to go to bed, when to eat, what to eat, where to go for medical vaccinations, when to get the vaccinations. Again, I mean, this is old news, but in past, when we have people get severely sick, and die from a flu vaccination, it would only take a couple of dozen deaths to immediately pull that vaccination off the market. There have been over 4,000 deaths from this vaccination. And yet, we continue to have people push it. The side effects when children are vaccinated, enlarged hearts, and yet there's a push for children to be vaccinated. But we're not allowed to think. We're not allowed to have an opinion. We're going to take another time out. We get back a rally up in Fairfax, Virginia, against CRT, causes another rally for CRT, and the comments from a PTA president are dangerous, bizarre, and we'll play them for you when we get back. No need to search for the facts. The fact is, it's, um, well, it's, it's, uh, it's, uh, hold on. Let's see, they, uh, they gave me... Uh, Just take note. Okay, it's uh, one pound of ground beef, one egg. What is this? That's a recipe for, uh, for meatloaf someone gave me. That's nice. And check in throughout the day here. Look, uh, no, seriously, look around. Did anybody see a piece of paper with my notes on it? For what's next, travel with us on Talk 96.3 and 103.7 with Tom Lamprecht. I got to give kudos to Clark Willis, who puts together those bumpers. <laughs> I laughed out loud at that one. Uh, the Daily Wire is reporting. Parents in Fairfax County, Virginia, gathered outside Thursday night. There was a school board meeting going on inside. 
And they were having a rally, build Stop Critical Race Theory rally. The flyer said, while they deny it's being taught, the NEA doubles down. It's not about race equity. It's about a communist radical takeover of America. Eh, Pretty well said. As parents concerned about the politicization and standard lowering in schools, as they gathered a top PTA and a same person, NAACP official, Michelle Leet, led a counter-protest, only had a couple of dozen people at the counter-protest, but nonetheless she had a counter-protest, in which she ended a tirade about parents who opposed critical race theory. Cut one. If you if you didn't get all that, first of all, Michelle Leet is vice president of training at the Virginia State PTA. She's vice president of communications for the Fairfax County PTA. She's also the first vice president of the Fairfax County NAACP, and she's also a federal employee. That's more than a hat trick. The counter protesters listening to Lee's speech on Thursday. If, if you look at the crowd, and there's video of this. If you look at the crowd, she's the only black person there. And yet, these white liberals break into cheers and applause to her line, let them die. Yeah. She said, let's deny this off-key band of people that are anti-education, anti-teacher, anti-equity, anti-history, anti-racial reckoning, anti-opportunities, anti-help people, anti-diversity, anti-platform, anti-science, anti-change agent, anti-social justice, anti-healthcare, anti-worker, anti-LGBTQ+, anti-children, anti-healthcare, she said that twice, anti-worker, anti-environment, anti-admission policy change, anti-inclusion, anti-let live and let live. Let them die. Uh, First of all, this is another example of how the progressives use critical theory. I mean, this fits right into the critical theory that they want to promote, that they want to teach in school. The opposed, or the oppressed, I should say, and the oppressors. Those people that are against critical race theory, no, we're not for a culture that says one race is superior to another race. One is inferior, one is superior. We do not believe that. Critical race theory teaches that. You are teaching that, yes, basically you are teaching anti-Martin Luther King doctrine. We don't believe that one race is superior to another race. 
And those people you say are anti, no, they're not anti-education. They're not anti-history, anti-racial reckoning, anti-opportunities, anti-helping people, et cetera, et cetera. We are anti your version of those things. We are anti your version of history, your version of science, your version of education, your version of social justice. Uh, the, The idea is if you don't agree exactly with our ideology, oh, then you're an anti person. One in attendance, a, uh, Asra Naomi, whose son just graduated from Fairfax County public schools said, I listened stunned as Michelle Leet put a target on the backs of parents just because they have a different point of view. What we heard tonight was hate speech, pure and simple. It was shocking that anyone would cheer and applaud a call to violence. And by the way, uh, these are the same people that would accuse Donald Trump at any one of his, his rallies as calling for a violent overthrow to those that oppose him, which he never, ever said at any of his rallies. He never said it on January the 6th. What we heard tonight was a hate speech Pure and simple. It was shocking that anyone would cheer and applaud a call to violence. Ironically, her hateful, intolerant words were a perfect illustration of the divisive ideology of critical race theory in action. Bingo! In the name of tolerance, it preaches intolerance and is a portrayal of all values of humanity and decency. To the point is, if you're anti and you disagree with our ideology, you need to die! And they don't even, why is this not a headline in the Washington Post? Fairfax, Virginia, right outside of D.C. Why is this not a headline? I guarantee you, if this was a Republican that had said this against liberals, it would be a headline in the Washington Post. PTA president calls for the death of those that oppose their viewpoint. If the remarks implied a wish for death to parents who have a different opinion than hers, it would appear to apply to a majority of parents, so says the Daily Wire. A June poll by Public Opinion Strategies found that nearly three-quarters of Fairfax and neighboring Loudoun County oppose eliminating advanced math courses, and significantly more voters oppose critical race theory than supported it. Fairfax recently abolished the test used to gain admission into the Thomas Jefferson School for Science and Technology, a top-ranked math school in the country. After activists complained there were too many Asians and not enough blacks, ooh, isn't that racist? Too many Asians? The shift from merit to a merit lottery resulted in a large decrease in the number of Asians and an increase in the number of whites in the school. So you don't have to qualify to get in this top-notch school. By the way, it will only be a matter of time before this top-notch math and science school is no longer top-notch. But I guess in the eyes of Michelle Leet, the parents that opposed eliminating advanced math courses and parents that wanted to keep the high standards for the Thomas Jefferson School of Science and Technology, those people that wanted that, I guess she would call those parents anti-education, 
And if you want to lower the standards to gain admittance into a school of science, are you now anti-science? You'd say you are. Again, only if you're anti-their ideology. Harry Jackson, a black man who was the president-elect of the Thomas Jefferson School for Science and Technology, told the Daily Wire, I, by the, he was the uh, PTA president at that school, he said, I was in shock looking at the crowd, watching Ms. Leet pander to white liberals with her hateful rhetoric, her call to violence against every kind of parent, including parents who oppose changes to admission policies at the school, like Thomas Jefferson, also reveal that she has a serious conflict of interest. You know, it's interesting. The News and Observer ran a story today uh, talking about uh, basically trying to cause a wedge up in the state house as they discuss critical race theory. The article basically talked about the fact, well, gee, there's no blacks that are opposed to critical race theory. Really trying to make it a black-white issue that all blacks are for critical race theory and conservative whites are all against it. Again, Harry Jackson, a black man up there who is the PTA president for the School of Technology. He is saying, why are you pandering to a bunch of white liberals? Listen, African-Americans, black Americans, don't you allow them to use you as pawns. Just like Harry Jackson, speak up and speak out against it. It's, It's interesting. The News and Observer says, well... There are no black Republicans in the House or the Senate. Well, wait a minute. Mark Robinson is the president of the Senate. As lieutenant governor, he's the president of the Senate. And he is the most vocal, outspoken person against critical race theory in our schools. We've got to take another time out. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Back to News and Views. Talk 96.3 and 103.7. Welcome back in. Eight minutes before the top of the hour, the Washington Free Beacon is reporting the city of Philadelphia back in 2016 bought a new fleet of Portera buses. Now, Portera is a company that manufactures electric buses. When they bought these buses, which, by the way, were more approximately a million dollars apiece, they bought a fleet of 24 buses for $25 million. Yeah, a million dollars a bus. That was a real equitable buy, right? Uh, And by the way, the recent uh, nominated and confirmed energy secretary, Jennifer Granholm, just happened to be on the board of directors of the Portera bus service uh, from which Philadelphia bought these buses. Uh, Just a little bit of a problem, though. Right now, there are no buses being run that are electric that they purchased from Proterra. Why? Well, several reasons. One, the batteries in these buses are so heavy that they are cracking and collapsing the chassis. (laughs) I'm not kidding. Two... The buses, which Portera claimed would get several hundred miles per run, are getting between 30 and 50 miles per run. That's it. (laughs) Now, 
30 to 50 miles ain't much. In fact, the city of Philadelphia at one point tried to install recharging stations at the end of each route. So, yeah, I mean, basically, uh, you know, a gas or a diesel bus, you'd fill it up, you'd do the route, end of the day, you'd fill it back up again. These people go from one end. Some, In some cases, they couldn't make it to the other end of the route. Another reason they're not running, if you've ever been to Philadelphia, it is not like flat eastern North Carolina. There are a lot of hills up there. They had to make sure these Portera buses were not assigned to routes that were hilly because they couldn't make it up the hill. Interestingly, this Portera bus company has not returned phone calls questioning why their chassis are breaking down. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I, I don't know that the electric buses would make that sound. They would probably just go dead quiet because they're not moving. But same idea. They're not making it. Uh, by the way, it, it, that is just not the only town that uh, their buses are uh, hitting the dust. Uh, up in Duluth, Minnesota, um, they waited for three years for their Portera buses to be delivered. Ultimately, they have pulled seven buses from service because their braking systems were struggling on the Duluth Hills. Uh, you know, once again, you know, the ideology of liberals, you know, they, they live in this fantasy world that everything is going to be wonderful and perfect if you only embrace what they want, if you only embrace their ideology. They never think through the issues, and they never actually work to make sure that their products work. It doesn't matter whether they work or not because their goals are so noble, they're so wonderful that we ought to admire them, regardless of the fact it doesn't matter where their buses collapse and the people of Philadelphia wasted $25 million. That doesn't matter because their goals were so noble. Their objectives were so noble that we ought to applaud them regardless. Well, we ain't going to applaud them. And, uh, yeah, this is now the person who is the energy secretary. She ought to be held accountable. They ought to be sued by the city of Philadelphia for a waste of money. I know it was back in 2016, but, uh, you know, most buses last a whole lot longer than five years. And uh, the idea that they're only getting 35 miles out of them, uh, unbelievable. Hey, listen, have a great weekend, and uh, we'll do it again Monday at 5 o'clock. We'll see you then. Bye-bye, everybody. All right, all right, all right.